Our foreign policy is very clear. We don't actually get into a payment of ransoms at the very same time because remember our engagement from government to government and other bodies that are there. We're able to actually release him without any conditions. And we're very happy that as a state supported by the family and other role players like Comrade Maida has said, there are no conditions to the family. And Mr. McGowan can actually confirm the most important thing are the good news that uh, through our shrewd engagement supported by the AU and the other structures, Stephen is at home, reunited with the family. And that's the State Security Minister, David Mahlobo. Stephen McGowan's wife, Catherine, spoke about her reunion with her husband during the press conference as well. It's been a very, very long time, and I'm just so pleased that this day has come. She spoke about hope, and hope is a funny thing. Um, you're hopeful, and then you get bad news. You are despondent, but yet you still have hope, and you get, get back on track again, and then you believe he's going to come home, and then he, he doesn't. But you still keep leaving. <laughs> yeah, it's in, incredible. You know, you play all these things around in, in your head, how it's going to be, what you're going to say, where it's going to be. I've played all the scenarios in my mind. And this is not how it happened. So, yeah, so he came out and he looked at me and he sort of said, wow, your hair's grown. <laughs> but I said, well, actually, your hair's longer than mine now. <laughs> And uh, that's Catherine McGowan, the wife of Stephen McGowan, speaking about her reunion with her husband. Uh, McGowan's father, Malcolm, told reporters that he was surprised when his son arrived home. It was a big surprise when Stephen walked through the door or the first meeting. But when I gave him a hug, he felt as sound and as strong as before. So he was well treated up there. Um, obviously the joy of the, of the miracle that happened, uh, it's, we can't describe it, I guess, unless you've actually traveled the road, mm-hmm. you really don't know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we try to keep my wife going by continually saying he's coming home, he's coming home. But it didn't quite work out the way we wanted. And that's Stephen McGowan's father, Malcolm. We're now in the studio with Imtiaz Suleiman, chairman of the Gift of the Givers charity, which was uh, involved in negotiating for McGowan's release. Uh, a very good uh, afternoon to you, and thank you so much for coming into the studio, Dr. Suleiman. So the father saying it didn't work out quite exactly as they had hoped for. What does he mean by that? Afternoon, Dr. Been a long time since I've been in studio with you. <laughs> I know. What he means is that we were trying to get Stephen out before the mother passed on, and in in the in the first five months of this year, Beverly McGowan's health was going down very rapidly, and we were trying to, to keep giving him hope. We're getting him out. We're getting him out, and eventually, of course, she just succumbed to illness, and a very large part of that was due to the fact that she was really, really missing her son, and she she had chronic and she had a chest condition, and because of that. You know, eventually she needed oxygen and she just couldn't take it anymore. And in May she passed on. And that's what Steve, what Malcolm is referring to, that his wife never got a chance to see the son. And the son, of course, will not see his mother anymore. Mm. 
It must have been a very difficult journey, as uh, Malcolm McGowan says, given the fact that uh, the two uh, other travellers that were with uh, Stephen, when they grabbed in Timbuktu, that they were released earlier on, but he was kept for quite a number of years. Well, no, the the first one was released in 2015. That's Jacques, uh, the Jacques uh, mm-hmm. and But uh, Johan Gustafsson was released on the 26th of June which is just over a month ago. Okay. So they were together at that point. And Johan actually flew to South Africa to meet us, to thank us, you know, that he was released. And he told us at that point that Stephen is in good health. But I feared at that point that now Stephen being alone, exactly the concerns that you have, that that being alone, he may deteriorate in health because he has nobody else with him. But fortunately, within five weeks after that point, he was out. Mm. And the father was very hopeful throughout saying that they're hoping or they're praying for a miracle when it seemed really, really dark because you had trouble with those negotiations. Well, it, you know, we, he, I told him, look, Malcolm, we have no money. And, but we kept the negotiations alive. We had to make sure because when you have nothing to talk to, to, to deal with, it's just a possibility you may lose the captors. And they may say, you're wasting our time, don't come back. And we succeeded for two years in keeping them interested without having anything to How offer. How did you do that? I think we built a lot of goodwill, you know. And, of course, the intermediaries played a major role. I must say, the intermediaries carried a very good word for us because they have a very strong influence on the captors. And they said, look, these are South Africans, these are good people. They've helped our people in Mali. They help people all over the world. Let's give them a hearing. They're trying hard. They're speaking to governments, you know. But, and I kept on telling them, can they consider, you know, a compassionate release? Because Stephen is now alone and his mother has passed on. And really in South Africa, we can't afford that kind of money. So they kept on talking to them. At one point, the elders in the group said, yes, he can go. But the, the formations changed and new people came. The younger ones came into the, into the tribe. And they said, sorry, it doesn't work like that. They can't go for nothing. Something has to be given. So, again, when we, there was hope and we thought we were going to get them out, it, there was some obstacle at that point. And there were many like that along, along mm. the road. So, were they uh, abducted just as um, collateral damage in this war that they're waging against um, uh, governments or entities that they view to be against them? No. At that point, there really was no war. It was in 2011. They were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, kidnapping started about, around that time. And hostage was a means of making money. So they, wasn't any, they were not taken for any war purpose. Mm. They were just taken because they were Westerners, and Westerners are easy target, and you can get money from them. So they just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, this will obviously frighten off a lot of people who may want to travel. travel. And you've been in situations, various situations. I think there's a South African photographer that's still... Uh, Must sing in Syria. Uh, yes. Yes. And who's still out there, even though he went in what he knew was a dangerous situation, but nobody could have predicted that. Yes. You know, see, but he went in knowing, knowingly into a war zone. Hmm. Yeah, the people went to a country to, for a, just a tourist travel. But my advice has been repeatedly, please don't go to countries where there's known, where it's known for hostage taking. It's inevitable. You may just be a victim if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. The photographer went in with us, and we think it's a case of mistaken identity. And the problem with that is the people who've taken him know they've made a mistake because there's no demands. There's absolutely no demands. What is, that, what is the situation around his... We think we've, we had some information recently from a government in Europe they had a person who was an asylum seeker. He came across and he said he worked for one of the groups. And as part of that group, he actually interviewed the South African photographer. And, you know, well, not interviewed, questioned him. And he said he's left that group now. And he knows at that point, the guy's still alive. There's no reason to keep him. But unfortunately, 
because they made a mistake, they're finding it very hard to release him without being implicated. Oh, very sad and interesting. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Suleiman, for coming to talk to us. And I understand that it's your uh, 25th anniversary on Sunday yes. with Gift of the Givers. Yes, 25 years. And a very special thanks to the media, to you, to all of South Africa for supporting us and allowing us and, and supporting us to grow to the level we've grown today.